Well, good morning. If we haven't met, I'm Chuck. It's a privilege to be here with you this morning. I get to have the honor to teach both this Sunday and next Sunday, so I'm quite excited. Um, Before we get started, we do have internet now, so once again, we want to say hi to everybody who's visiting with us online this morning. And it's pertinent to you because if you uh, read your Bible digitally, then if you go to the SSID or the, the, um, the username, which is Branch Guest, um, your phone will find it, obviously. And then the password is all lowercase and all one word, if you will, Branch Church, and then the number one. Branch Church and the number one. And I've already played around with it, and it's 10 times better than it was over at Kearney. So <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> all right. Well, up on the screen, um, I'm reading through Psalms devotionally in the morning, and this verse just reached out and grabbed a hold of me. It's Psalm 94, and we'll look at the entirety of the Psalm this morning, but it's verse 19, and it says, in the multitude of the anxieties within us, God comforts, God's comforts delight our soul. Now, the word anxieties there technically is disquieting thoughts, and so the author here is saying, in the multitude of the anxieties within us, I bet all of us have disquieting thoughts right now. Circumstances at work, circumstances with health, circumstances with family, circumstances with our culture. Certainly as we move into 2024, I think there's a presidential election this year. I'm not quite sure. There's been no talk about it. Um, But I think we can all resonate with this writer, although he's in another culture and another time. This is just the human condition that we have disquieting thoughts because of circumstances, and yet God's comforts delight our soul. And that's what we lean on. Now, the Chuck version, and I wrote this down for you. This is the Chuck version. In the multitude of your comforts to me, my anxieties control my soul. And too often uh, when circumstances happen or there's a multitude of circumstances, I find that when my plate gets full, I start getting hamana, 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 hamana. And And I'll share with you, um, not to um, have you feel sorry for me, but since we're friends, I'm just sharing my journey with you and why this this verse resonated so deeply with me. Uh, Since May, obviously, we are in here now. This is the the greatest place since sliced bread, if you ever ask me. I'm so excited to be here. But my little part in it was, oh boy, I was nervous in the service, let me tell you. Just going forward with, with the finances and, and the permits and then the construction. I mean, there's obviously, you know, there's so much that goes into something like this. And so it was a huge stretch for me personally um, just to walk through the whole thing. And it still continues to be that way because it's just unknown. And, and w- w- by faith, we just walked into this. And so anytime you enter by faith into something, you're going to get stretched, correct? And then personally to me in October, my sister, my older sister at 69 years old had a massive stroke at her home in Colorado. She lives up a tree line at 10,700 feet in Colorado. And uh, basically she was by herself for 10 hours before they were able to get into her house. So suffice to say, my sister is, is ill, like she, she never gets sick. And so to have something like this is really quite a shock uh, for myself personally. But then to jump in, and uh, last week I became her power of attorney because she's just not getting well enough to be able to take care of herself. And so all of the stress that comes with um, figuring out passwords, figuring out accounts, figuring out long-term care, you, I think we all know the, the checklist that you have to go through. And so these last three months have just been busy, let's just say. So when I read this verse in my morning devotion, it was, all right, Lord, you got this. And I just want to continue to learn to cast my cares upon you because 
you care for me. And even in the stretch, he's glorifying himself. He's helping us to, helping me to see him more clearly, to trust him more deeply, and not to lean on my own understanding. But the temptation is there. The temptation is to just let the little squirrel get into my brain at two o'clock in the morning and he gets on the wheel and he starts running and I start creating worlds that don't exist and I lose so much precious time. So um, I'm still in the process of growth, I guess you could say. So let's take a look at Psalm 94 and let's look at this, this author and look at the times that he finds himself in and the challenges, the disquieting circumstances in which he finds himself. Let's look at the first three verses because what you're gonna see here are the author's disquieting thoughts. He says, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs, justice. O God, to whom vengeance belongs, shine forth, rise up, O judge of the earth, render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? And so to me, in opening this up, you, you hear a very uh, passionate individual, uh, he's already got his checklist. I'm sure he's thought through what he was going to say before he entered the Lord's presence. And he definitely is um, very, very convicted about what he thinks should happen and what he says is going on. Because there's three things here that he mentions twice. Obviously, in the beginning, he says twice, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs. O God, to whom vengeance belongs. So he's saying the same thing twice. So there's some, there's some passion and some transparency there. And then he says, shine forth and rise up and judge the earth. And the inference here, particularly in this, this phrase, shine forth, is you're not doing anything, dude. Where are you? Can you not see what's going on? Do you, you haven't followed my blog post, obviously, because we're in really serious trouble and you're not doing anything. And so that's the Chuck version, sorry. Um, but uh, basically, he's, he's, he's trying to prompt God to, to do something. He's basically saying, you're not doing enough. You're not doing what you, you should be doing. There is justice to be satisfied here. And you're asleep or you're away. And he says that twice. He says, shine forth. And then he says, rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. And then he says, Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Two times again. So there's a Again, there's a transparency and a passion here. You can definitely tell what he's thinking. And I think he is right. God is ultimately the one who distributes justice. God is the one who will basically correct those things that are wrong. And we, we saw that in Obadiah this morning when we, we started the, the sermon, the idea that Edom thought it was impenetrable and God had other plans. Now, he is right in the sense that God is the God of justice, but I would say that he's wrong in the sense that he wants the justice on his time and in his way. And that's not how God works. God will enact justice, but it's going to be in his own time. And so right off the bat, we can see the honesty and the transparency of this, this writer. Now, as we move from disquieting thoughts, we see disquieting times. Take a look at this. He talks about these evildoers, and he says, they utter speech and they speak insolent things. All the workers of iniquity boast in themselves. And so right off the bat, you can see there's a heck of a lot of pride and arrogance here. There are people that have power, and they think they are the A in the, from the A to the Z in the world. And then what do they do with this attitude of arrogance? Well, in verse 5, they break in pieces your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. And so they're using their power, in this specific instance, against godly people and against the heritage of the Lord. There's nothing new under the sun. This was written probably about 1,000 B.C., and really, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to people and power and oppression. 
In verse 6, they slay the widow and the stranger. So if that wasn't bad enough, now he gets specific and says the powerless are the ones who fall under the boot of these individuals. They slay the widow and the stranger, and they murder the fatherless. Yet, they say, the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob understand. In essence, what the writers here is saying, and again, he's just being honest. He's saying, they don't care. They don't care about God. They either don't believe he exists, or they could care less. They have no desire to think about what might happen if there's going to be any recompense with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Nothing new under the sun, right? How many dictatorships do you think there are in, in the world today? I did, I did the, 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 uh, the little search last night. Do you think there's more than 50 or less than 50? More than 50? Yeah, you would be right. Not by much. There's 52 dictatorships in the world. Nothing new under the sun. And in 2024, you would think that the idea of human trafficking would be a passe, ancient practice that no one in their right mind would ever consider anymore. And yet, human trafficking, sex trafficking, just flourishes in this world today, doesn't it? And so we look at this writer's times, and there's just nothing new under the sun. And in this instance, maybe a little more, a little more intense. It could have been the nation of Assyria, or it could have been Egypt. But there are always troubles. We always have disquieting times in, in whatever uh, phase of human history in which we live. And so he's got disquieting thoughts. He talks about his disquieting times. And then he comes to a disquieting conclusion for those that he is speaking to, those, those, those evildoers. He says, understand you senseless among the peoples. And you fools, when will you be wise? This behavior that you're continuing to, to manifest is not going to end well. It's not ending well for your victims, and it's not going to end well for you. And then he talks about God. He says, he who planted or fastened the ear, shall he not hear? Do you think God doesn't hear what's going on? He who fortified the eye, shall he not see? Do you not think that God sees exactly what's going on? He who instructs the nations, shall he not correct? God stands over the nations. They're a drop in the bucket to him, the psalmist says. He who teaches man knowledge. And then he comes to this conclusion and says, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are futile. They're just, they're, they're, they're arrogant. They, so many times we've seen it in so many cases, in so many places in history where men and women, where human beings thought that they had con complete control of all knowledge and all wisdom and all power and started making decisions based on what they thought was right, and it wound up being completely wrong, and it wound up being disastrous. The danger is if we lean on our own understanding, it's, it's limited, and it's biased, and it's tainted by our experience. And if we lean on our own understanding, we can find ourselves in trouble quite quickly. And that's why the Proverbs says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own, own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Now, Paul picks up on this idea of the futility of man in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 and 20. It's, uh, it is interesting, and I read through the first three chapters of Corinthians just to get this in context, and man, there were a lot of problems in the Corinthian church. There was a lot of, of bickering and fighting and division 
And uh, basically, they were living uh, on their own fumes, and they were living on their own understanding, by and large. And Paul is just trying to correct them. And you can see here in 1 Corinthians, he, he picks up on a verse out of Job and a verse out of, or the verse that we see in Psalm 94. He says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, if you're leaning on your own understanding, you know what? Discard that. Become a fool so that you, become, you may become wise in God's economy. For the wisdom of this world's fool, uh, I'm sorry, for the wisdom of this world's foolishness with God, for it's written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. That's out of Job. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. Here's our verse uh, in uh, Psalms. The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men. Nothing new under the sun. Uh, Paul takes a thousand-year-old uh, song or a poem and the principles and, and the truth behind a thousand-year-old song or poem, and he brings them up into the first century, and he says, listen, you're trying to be wise in your own eyes. It's not working. All it's causing is confusion and antipathy in your, in your world. Let's rethink this. Let's think about trusting in the Lord with all our heart. Let's not lean on our own understanding. Let's acknowledge him in all our ways, and then he will direct our paths. And so back to verse uh, to Psalm 94, now we move from the disquiet, now we move into the comfort. And here you can see firstly in verses 12 through 15, the comforting promises. So now the author kind of switches tracks here, and now he starts to, starts to get his focus on God. And he says, blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law, that you may give him rest from the days of adversity. I like this because he's, he's um, extolling the virtues of God, even though times are tough. But his attitude has changed a little bit here because he says uh, in verse 13 that you may give him rest from the days of adversity. Now in verse one, he's saying, how long, you, you're, you're not around, where you been? You've got to judge these people. Can you not see what's going on here? This is so unfair. And now he's kind of rested in the fact that there are going to be disquieting times, and yet his trust is not in circumstances, but his trust is in the Lord. Let me read those verses again, 12 and 13. Blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law that what? That you may give him rest from the days of adversity. And so trusting in the Lord in the midst of the storm is a place where we don't have to be tempest-tossed. All of us either are or in or will be in storms. And yet there's a place in that adversity where God will offer his rest. He gives that sweet rest to us. Now, I know for me personally, it's been an exercise over the last six months or so of striving to enter that rest. But ultimately, God's promise is the rest is there. The only person that, that fails to grasp it is me. And so, and the beauty about that is, is understanding how far I fall sometimes from just resting in the midst of adversity is that if I'm willing to say, Lord, I need help, he's, he's there to help me. He, he is so excited to scoop me up in his hands and help me get to that place. And so here you can see the author is just saying, everybody goes through, we have adversity, whether it be from the outside or from the, from the inside, the disquieting thoughts on the inside that are reacting, reacting to the circumstances on the outside, God still promises rest. He promises to instruct. He promises to bless. And then he says, until the pit is dug for the wicked. So now he's backed up a little bit too here. And he's saying, well, there will be a time of justice, but it's not, I'm not going to try and manipulate God or complain about it anymore that it needs to be right now. I'm just going to say, okay, when that time comes, you, you will eventually have justice on this earth. You eventually will prevail, but it's going to be in your time. 
And so there is a sense of, of peace and resolve that I hear in the author's words here, that he's just saying, all right, God, I trust you. I trust you. And a long way towards gaining rest and adversity is what? Trusting God. In verse 13, but judgment will return to righteousness and all the upright in heart will follow it. Basically, it's going to come. It's going to come. God is a God of justice. He doesn't lie. He's never late. And he will transact business at the appointed time. So those are comforting promises. And then the writer gets even more intimate with us. And he talks about a comforting testimony. Verses 16 through 19, there are nine mentions of first person here, either me or my. And you, you can see them as we walk through this. He says, who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Now, back in verse 2, he's saying, dude, you're not here. Rise up. Do something. Do something. And now he's, saying, he's asking rhetorical questions. He already knows the answers to these. But he is now in a, in a different spot where he's saying, all right, I know God is going to rise up. In his time and in his way, God will rise up. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? And then he says in verse 17, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would have, would have settled in silence. And so he's again looking to God and the goodness of God and the provision of God and the care of God. And then even when he falls short, like we all do, he says in verse 18, if, if, if I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. Isn't that great? Because no one bats a thousand in, in disquieting thoughts or adversity, do they? We, we all just have a tendency to, to get uh, confused or fearful or excited or irrational. Uh, we start thinking things that aren't actually true. And we're just kids. We're just little children. And God is so gracious. And the author knows that now. He says, even when I slip and fall, even when I amp out at two in the morning and I'm just spinning and spinning and spinning, you're, you're, you're with me. You're trying to lead me back to that place of rest. Well, my suggestion would be, let him. <laughs> let him lead you back to that place of rest. Don't, don't get caught in that eddy of self. Come back. Be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, make, may your, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. It's a promise. And you can see I memorized it. So it, it has helped me. And it's, it's been one of, those, one of those lifeguards for me over the last seven or eight months. It's just so wonderful that God is there for us. Even when we're faithless, he's faithful. He can't deny himself. And so here, the author has just given us such a wonderful, sweet little testimony. And then for me, he puts the cherry on top of the cake in verse 19 and says, in the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Ah, oh, that's a nice hot cup of coffee in the morning. And then that's a donut with, with uh, sprinkles on top in the morning. Yeah, yeah, just such a nice prom. And to me, again, you know, you read, if you're like me, you read through the Bible and, and sometimes you know, I really do try to be in the moment. There are times when my mind is distracted, but I really try to focus and let the Holy Spirit speak to me. And, and you, you can read the content and read the content and you understand what the writer is saying. And then all of a sudden, one verse just, bam, it just sticks out to you and it sticks to you like a post-it. And that's exactly what this verse, verse 19, has done for me over the last, probably the last three weeks. I've just been meditating on it and thinking about it, hanging on to it and trusting it. And I just love it. In the multitude of my disquieting thoughts within me, and there are so many, but your comforts delight my soul. Ah, deep breath, everybody. Yeah. Okay, and then he finishes off, and he offers a comforting conclusion. 
he says, and again, he starts asking questions he already knows the answer to. There's an element of confidence here. It's almost as if the, the tenor of the author's um, approach and theme has changed by the time he gets to the end of the, the song here. And, you know, I was thinking about that, and it's like, can you have a change of heart that quickly? And then I was thinking, well, you know, all the popular songs we have, they all start out with a problem. They end with, uh, with a victory within two and a half minutes. So I guess, you know what, it can do, the same thing can happen here. He says in verse 20, and these are, this is the comforting conclusion, Shall the throne of iniquity, which devises evil by law, have fellowship with you? The answer to that is no. They gather together against the life of the righteous and condemn innocent blood. But, but, but the Lord has been my defense. He's looking entirely to the Lord. And my God, the rock of my refuge, he has brought on them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. The Lord, our God, shall cut them off. Finishing with, with confidence, finishing with a trust in the Lord, fi finishing with a peace about God's timing and God's circumstances and God's methods, and just ultimately saying, in the midst of adversity, you promise rest. You promise instruction. You promise comfort. And even when I'm not resting, your mercy is there. When I fail, you're there to scoop me up in the drop of a hat. And so let's finish with this verse, which is, again, going back to verse 19. I think I have it on, on the, the slides. There, well, yeah, basically. Verse 19, in the multitude of the anxieties within us, God's comforts delight our soul. And so think about it just for a second. What are the disquieting thoughts within you right now? And obviously, our lives are so busy and so multifaceted as far as family, work, social, um, possessions, you name it, everything. One good news is that the Chargers aren't in LA anymore, or they're not in San Diego anymore, so that's one thing we don't have to have disquieting thoughts about anymore this time of year. But think about the anxieties, the disquieting thoughts that you're experiencing right now, and then just look, here's a promise for you. God's comforts can take you above those disquieting thoughts. He'll help you navigate them. He'll help you monitor them. He'll help you keeping them from becoming the rudder on your ship. And so just, just think for a second, then I'll close in prayer. Well, Lord, I think it's in Revelation where our prayers are deposited in a bowl. And I th just that image comes to me when we're taking all of our disquieting thoughts right now and we're just setting them in a bowl, as it were. We're putting them at your feet. And for us this morning, Lord, there's a myriad of different disquieting thoughts uh, that we're in possession of right now as, as individuals. And um, we certainly want to recognize the promise that in the midst of this, your comforts delight our soul, all of your goodness, who you are, what you promise towards us, uh, the identity that you form in us as we cl grow close to you as disciples, uh, the ability for us to, to trust you in the midst of the storm, to know that you're in control. And I know that is a, a practice discipline. Um, I'm still learning it. And thank you so much, Lord, that um, we want the comfort and the delight of our soul, the comfort, your comforts to delight our soul. But in the same time, we're human beings and we go back and forth and struggle. And, and yet, yet, even when our foot slips, your mercy is there to catch us. And we thank you for that. But may we uh, have a conviction to trust you with our whole heart to allow you to have our worries and our fears and our future. Um, may we just cast our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. And 
may we leave today with a, a little more confidence in your promises and a little less confidences in our experiences and our thoughts and our, our uh, premonitions and uh, anything that may be a work of the flesh. Thank you again, God, that you care for us like a shepherd cares for his or her sheep. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. <laughs>